Anderson screaming over the left and really expresses friends that come out to save him. And the Andersons, I think they have scored a point for their contention that they're the number one contenders. gentlemen you saw it right there the anderson and the rock and roll express the minnesota what a match iron anderson like I you said you admit it. it iron anderson pull down that top rope if we can let's go let's go back and i'd see like if to we see can. that again all right now watch this watch this robert now watch it now ricky goes over he goes after iron iron goes down now watch this iron goes down on that floor all right again cross this is a fantastic now, maneuver david exactly what's happening to him. He what in the world? What was the off. matter with that move? The floor was there to break his fall? Place to be Nation Wrestling. Welcome to episode number 57 of NWA Crack and Roll. I am your host, Sean Kidd, and yes, I am doing this a solo today. And the reason why we're doing this solo today is um, on our last episode, we took you guys on the journey through um, to get to Starcade 86. So naturally, you would assume we would be doing Starcade 86 tonight. However, um, in the spirit of redoing my research and in the spirit of looking back, um, we did go on the relaunch very, very quick after the bash and going into uh, the build to Starcade. So I wanted to go back and see if there was anything we missed. And uh, ironically enough, uh, there were 16 matches that really kind of go into the mold of what we talk about on this show. And they all happened from literally August all the way up through the end of October. So 16 big matches, Crockett. Just puts out a ton of product, and so we missed some stuff. And I thought some other stuff that was in here that we should talk about was uh, – I, th I thought it was really important that we went over it. Cause the other thing I really wanted to look at was how did it start? Like when we talked about our last episode around Ron Garvin and Nikita Koloff and their program couldn't cut short. And then we also talked about Jimmy Garvin and Magnum TA. So we're going to take a look at where that occurred and where that happened, how that started, and then obviously those never took off. So thought it would be cool to go back and look at. So these next two episodes will be two parts. I'm going to do eight episode, uh, eight matches uh, each episode because, honestly, who wants to sit here and listen to me talk about 16 matches in one pod? But I thought I would go over the matches, then kind of give you my thoughts, and then any storylines or anything involved here along the way. I thought that I would uh, discuss those as well. So my normal my normal partners in crime here, uh, Dr. G, um, obviously just had some surgery. Uh, Logan Crossland was on vacation, and Scott Shifflett was on vacation. So I thought, you know what? I'll do these next two solo, and then after the next two episodes, we will get into Star Kid 86, and that will be with me, Logan, and Schiff. So tonight we are calling this episode number 57, the matches we missed in the summer or fall of uh, 1986, and this will be part one, and part two will be our next drop. 
so like I said, all of these took place in August through October of 86, and we did not cover on any of our relaunch episodes, so again, wanted to really come back and look at these matches with thoughts. And by the way, also for everyone who's listening to this, all these are actually on YouTube for your listening ease. So our first match tonight, uh, we all these we're going to start off in August, and uh, the next two episodes will carry us through the end of October, um, and that'll cover off on anything that we might have missed after the bash and anything on the build to Starcade. So our first match tonight is actually from August second, nineteen eighty six. It is the Andersons versus the Rock and Roll Express, and these teams have been feuding all summer long and into the bash, and of course they will go into Starcade eighty six in the main event for the World Tag Team Titles, or well, one of the main events for the World Tag Team Titles inside the Steel Cage. Uh, but this is on syndicated TV on August the second, and it was clearly taped during the bash in July. And we did cover one of their matches during the bash, which was I think like thirty minutes, which was really really good. But here we go again, and this is not for the tag team titles at this point in time. The Midnight Express are still the tag team champions, so this is just a normal between these two teams, which, again, carries on till November, which we'll talk about when we get to Starcade 86. So this was really a great seven-minute best of Anderson's stiff work. Um, they dominated most of the match with multiple fiery com- comebacks by Morton and Gibson, including a double-figure four spot. Crowd, as always, was deafening and could barely hear the commentary from David and Jim. Um, it's just, just so, so... Jim Cornette and David Crockett, you could barely hear it. Uh, Gibson took a nice tumble over the top rope when arm pulled it from the outside. Then only through Morton on the outside. Uh, we get the DQ, and then the Andersons beat up the Rock and Roll Express on the floor with Morton covering Robert to protect them. The locker room jobbers come out to stop the assault. And again, this was really, really good seven minutes. Uh, it was kind of like a best-of teaser between the two teams and what they could really do. Uh, the show of war was really brewing between these two teams. And uh, basically to pack arenas uh, to get to see what would happen in the next level in a real match. But seven-minute kind of best-of between these two. Syndicated TV, you can't go wrong. I went three stars on this match. Really, really, really solid match. Our second match tonight, uh, Ric Flair defending the world title. And this is from August 13th, 1986. And this is from the Florida Territory. And Flair's territory run was really coming in 86. I'm not saying it's over, but as we get into 86 and 87, a lot of those territory runs where Flair would go to Puerto Rico or he'd go to Florida, he would go to Continental, et cetera, et cetera. Those are really on the tail. And even Japan, um, he does have, I think, um, he does have another run in Japan, obviously, but it's really dwindled down. So, yeah, this territory run's about to end. But this one, it's fan cam. It's from Florida House Show, and it's against Steve Kern, who is one of the fabulous ones, I believe, at this time still. So a little weird here that Flair's taking on Steve Kern. It's for the World Heavyweight title. So here we go. Uh, overall, uh, kind of a boring match, very house show, and just a lot of rest holds. Uh, Flair actually dominated quite a bit of it. There was a botchy-looking sunset flip spot at the 15-minute mark where Kern got lost, and he basically just bent over and waited for Flair uh, when he was supposed to be ramming Flair in the stomach with his head. He never did it. He just kind of waited. Uh, and he just seemed lost and like he's going through the motions. There's a botched body press by uh, Kern that looked like it knocked Flair absolutely senseless. senseless. Uh, there's a long-ass sleeper spot. Last few minutes were pretty good with a Flair back suplex of both men falling over the top road spot that led to the trophy double count out at 23 minutes. Uh, way too long. And why is the match with Steve Kern giving us a BS ending? I feel like Flair, especially here in August, coming off the bash, really could have gotten a win here and it would have done Kern. Any, I don't know. I don't know why Kern had to take the safe uh, double count out here. But again, too long. Um, Flair just should have beat him. I went a gentleman's two on this match. Really, really nothing to write home about. But anyway, um, again, 81386, and you can find this on YouTube, Gentlemen 2. 
Uh, our third match tonight uh, is a rematch uh, for the World Tag Team titles. And this is on August 23rd, 1986. And this is the Midnight Express versus the Rock and Roll Express. The Rock and Roll Express had won the World Tag Team titles a week earlier than this. And now we have a rematch again on Free Syndicated TV, which, you know, Crockett was really good at, like, doing these, like, Big time kind of main event deals under syndicated shows or on world on world championship wrestling. Um, some of them were long. Some of them had meat and potatoes to it. Some of them were kind of like those quick little jolts, like we talked about with the Andersons versus Rock and Roll Express, just to kind of give you a sneak peek of what you would see at the house shows. Uh, this would be another one. So um, it's amazing to me still that a crowd reacted in every mood like they do in some of these Crockett matches. It's like they're just so lit up from the start. Like even before anybody does anything like the crowd is just going absolutely out of their freaking minds and what's happening in these things before like they even punch each other touch each other so it's morton starting off with eating and he gets beat up by both um and then he scooches back to his corner something as simple as morton reversing a pile driver with a backdrop got the crowd going nuclear bobby does an awesome lift in the air to the turnbuckle for mid-ring on morton rope charge so literally morton they're in the middle of the ring Martin charges at him and Eaton just lifts him in, like lifts him up from mid ring and throws him into the ropes. Uh, the Hills work over Morton from there. Eaton does an awesome backbreaker into a power slam spot. Uh, the Cornet uh, does a racket into rock, uh, Ricky's face. Ricky gets it out of nowhere, roll up, and Jim in with the rack, racket shot gets the DQ. And again, here we are, uh, three non finishes in a row. But again, free TV kind of give you the sneak peek. This is a quick seven minute sprint, just like the Andersons one. Uh, just to whet the appetite of those watching at home and get to the arena, but I loved it. Uh, three stars and the tag match scene in 1986 in NWA is just off the, off the chart. So that's our third match of the night. Number four. This one is kind of a famous match that in, in history has really come back and been brought up a lot. It is Ric Flair versus Mike Jackson. This is from the August 30th, 1986 World Championship Wrestling. And you might be like thinking, Sean, why are we talking about a match with Mike Jackson? Well, Mike Jackson um, was a preliminary wrestler. They always touted him as the Alabama junior heavyweight champion or former Alabama junior heavyweight champion. And one of the things that was really cool about him is he could put on a great match. And back in these days, sometimes Crockett would book prelim talent like a Rocky King or an Italian Stallion to get a little time in the sun to look like they could give people, you know, a run for their money. So tonight it's Ric Flair. Um, and this would be one of those moments. So Jackson still today, by the way, wrestles at age 72 in GCW. And he also had a brief run in impact wrestling, but you can see him in GCW quite a bit. Um, and again, not bad for being 72 and, you know, still working today. So this airs a week, <clears throat> literally after baby doll turns on dusty on, uh, in, in, um, baby doll did that turn when dusty, uh, had lost the world title and they had to rematch and baby doll just turned on him. Uh, Cornette, baby doll being buds. Cornette is talking on commentary. Uh, and then being buds after the bash feud is weird because he's talking about how apparently she's now the interior decorator for his mother. Uh, Jackson and Flair shake hands to start. Jackson opens hot with a hip toss, applying head scissors, and then a cross body for two. That sends Flair on the outside. I mean, he bailed. Um, and then Flair uh, comes back in, lifts out of a hammerlock, and puts Jackson on the second rope and shots him off. Throws Jackson to the hardwood floor on the concrete. The crack sound on the floor was sick, and they, they had mentioned that maybe Jackson had hit his head, but I went back and reviewed it, and I couldn't really tell, but literally he falls outside the ring, and literally his back just smacks the concrete. Really, really, really um, sounded brutal. Um, 
They go back inside, toe-to-toe, and Jackson gets a backdrop and drop kick. He then punches Flair over the top rope. Jackson really dominating Flair, and Flair yells at him for a second, kicking his ass and is super pissed off. Flair holds Jackson uh, by the ropes, and as he argues with Ref, Baby Doll slaps Jackson a few times. Flair sends Jackson before again. The crowd chants for Dusty for no reason whatsoever. Uh, Flair just beats on Jackson until Jackson gets a figure four. The crowd is up on their feet. Uh, Flair to the ropes, and then Jackson does a suplex, uh, does punches. Flair hits an elbow to the face, and then Jackson keeps fighting back, but he misses a cross body, and the ropes knock him down. Uh, and then Flair gets a figure four to end the match. Baby Doll in and slaps Jackson. This was a really, really great sprint. I think it was roughly around 15 minutes. Um, and a great showcase for Jackson. And I always enjoy when they book the prelim guys that look like they had a chance. Uh, this is actually two and a three-quarter stars. I could go a little higher. Uh, but again, just really, really solid way to say, hey, you know, on any given day, at any given time, anybody could beat anybody or look like they have a snowball's chance in hell. And they did a really, really good job here uh, with Mike Jackson. So definitely go check this one out. This one is just interesting. Uh, match number five. Uh, so the next few segments, we're going to talk about what could have been or what might have been with Nikita and what with Ron Garvin, and then talk a little bit about um, with Ron Garvin. And then we're going to go right into a segment that kind of kicked off the Jimmy Garvin Magnum TA, TA uh, feud that they were going to do. So match number five is Sam Houston versus Nikita Koloff. This is from uh, August 30th, 1986. And this is not a title match. So this match is what kicked off the Garvin-Nikita feud that never happened due to the TA accident. Um, if you had listened to our last episode, we kind of went in depth with that and what, what occurred there and where everybody was at and where they were headed. But we did not go into detail of how they kicked these things off that never came to fruition. So here it is. So Nikita immediately beats up Sam with punches and slam. He then throws Sam across the ring and drops him one-armed on the top rope. Uh, Sam does a brief flurry, but Nikita uh, blocks a monkey flip out of the corner, sending Houston flipping over and destroys Houston with a sickle for three, like literally just destroyed him. Then he picks him up and he sickles Sam again. Ron Garvin comes out to check on Sam, and then Nikita tries to hit him from behind with a chain and hands a stone, knocks him out. He just immediately turns around without even hesitating and punches the shit out of him. Uh, really great two-star, four-minute squash, and easy setup for the Doomed U.S. title program. Really short and sweet how they did this. But this wasn't the only segment that they did because a week later, we get a title match with Ron Garvin taking on Black Bart for the Mid-Atlantic title. We haven't really talked about Black Bart at all. Mid-Atlantic champions, um, for the most part on the show, have been a non-factor. Um, if you want to go back to even... Early on in 85, we had Buzz who just abandoned us. We had no, we didn't even know who he was, and he just abandoned us, and he was gone. Uh, Black Bar comes in. Sam Houston held it for a cup of tea. Crutcher Khrushchev had a, held the Mid-Atlantic title for a cup of tea. But really not a lot of shine on the Mid-Atlantic title. And if you remember our relaunch episode, we went through all the title changes and all the things that happened right after the bash. Well, there were two matches that I, there were two titles that did not change hands. One was the Mid-Atlantic title. Um, and then the other one was uh, the six-man tag team title uh, did not change hands either. So um, a little bit of a miss on my part there. Uh, but here we are. We're going to kind of retro that and talk about that. So this is another match of, you know, it's a title match, so I didn't think anything of it. But it ends up being a match to further build Nikita versus uh, Ron Garvin. Um, so also I'm curious after this, uh, what they had to mind, where they were going to go with this, but we'll talk about it in a minute. Again, like we talked about, this is a week after the initial Nikita uh, Ron Garvin angle. So Garvin 
back in 85, it actually lost to Luther Beef Town Match to Bart, and he lost a national title to him. We actually covered that in the early days of Crack and Roll. Um, so these guys aren't strangers to each other. And um, what a city champ Bart has been because we haven't hardly seen him at all. So Cornette sells the history and the importance of the title, and the Mid-Atlantic definitely has a lineage for sure um, going way, way back. It was probably the main title um, in Crockett for a long, long time. It's kind of, it's kind of like you know, Roddy Piper's held it. The Briscoes have held it. Flair has held it. Race has held it. Everybody under the sun has held it. Um, Connell, so basically, Cornette sells the history and importance of the title. Connell just sits quiet. And then Cornette goes, says, ain't that right, Bob, to wake him up. So Bob was asleep. I don't know, but it was very funny. Uh, Bart keeps trying to get Garvin and Gar uh, Garvin ducks and clocks him in the head. Bart works arm for uh, first few minutes, and Garvin lays in the overhead chops to the chest. Garvin gets up angrily and put, um, Gar I'm sorry, Bass, uh, I'm sorry. Bart uh, gets up angrily and pushes Garvin to the corner and head shoulder blocks him multiple times. Bart goes back to the arm and hand. Garvin comes back with a variety of mat holds and submissions. Garvin is really good at the submission stiff realism in them. Realism in them. Uh, the two collide mid-ring and the crowd just loses their shit. Garvin is, um, Bart, for his part, does a great job of going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Garvin on the um, offense. Uh, Bart goes up on a rope to do his double leg drop finish, but Garvin moves. Bart stands up. Hands a stone for three, and we have a new Mid-Atlantic champion. So Ron Garvin, the new Mid-Atlantic champion. The Russians run in to attack Ron. They do a second rope cycle from Nikita um, to Garvin. Uh, TA and the Jayhawks come out for the save. Nikita cuts a promo saying, he will go with Garvin. You want to be U.S. champ? You got to beat me. Um, I don't have to beat you. Ivan follows up, say they had a week to plan their revenge, and warns all Americans, including Dusty, who's got to get his shit in, uh, who he calls the ringleader. So this was 17 minutes all in. Bart and uh, Garvin really have good chemistry. We've watched matches with them before, which is uh, they really have good chemistry, um, and they just stiff each other <coughs> consistently. I love the Russian attack and the post-interview. Uh, really seemed they were setting up to unify the title with Nikita and him, maybe at Starcade, uh, since they were going to unify the national title in a few weeks, which made sense um, when we talked about it in episode uh, 55. So I'm wondering, <coughs> in theory or context, if Magnum TA's accident forced them. So I think they were going to go along with Garvin, was going to be the Mid-Atlanta champion. They knew that Nikita might unify the national heavyweight champion. Um, with uh, Wahoo, so maybe they were going to do one more unification match with the Mid-Atlantic title, so it would be Mid-Atlantic title versus Nikita at the U.S. Uh, at Starcade, Ron Garvin versus Nikita, which would have been a great match, and it could have unified the title there and took it that title out, the Mid-Atlantic title out once and for all. I, I did some research to see if that's what they were going to do. I couldn't find anything, but in theory, kind of makes a lot of sense if they had done that or not, so um, just curious if that would have been the case, but anyway... Never meant to be. Uh, we'll talk about the, the demise of the Mid-Atlantic title uh, in a few months because this title reign doesn't last long, but doesn't last long, not probably for the reason you're thinking. So we will talk about that as we go through the course of this podcast. The next segment is not a match, but it is Jimmy Garvin and Magnum TA. And um, as we stated, Magnum TA and Garv Jimmy Garvin were getting into this kind of little feud that in theory was supposed to bridge a gap between him using, losing the U.S. title to Nikita and probably run up until we got to Starcade 86 where Magnum was supposed to take on um, <clears throat> Ric Flair for the World Heavyweight title. Um, so this is a start. Never really happened, but um, according to an interview I watched with Magnum TA um, this week and also Dark Side of the Ring, TA was driving home after one of their matches of the accident, um, and it was actually the final match Magnum would have ever been in. It was a Lumberjack match. Um, I think he said it was from Greenville, but anyway, he was driving home for this match when he uh, – 
got into the car accident. So um, here's here how it goes. Garvin beats Rocky King with a brain buster. Grabs the mic and says he's out of patience as he calls T.A. out. And T.A. doesn't respond. He's tired of T.A. not responding to him. T.A. has 30 seconds to get out of here. T.A. comes out. Crowd goes nuts. Garvin screams about it's about time you got out of here. Precious gets a knife in his face. Garvin slugs him and the war is on. They slug it out. Precious jumps on T.A.'s back. He dumps her off. And Garvin knocks him out of the ring from behind and into the post. Um, he beats the shit out of his head. David going crazy. Uh, Dusty comes out for the save. Cornette is just going on angrily saying T.A. has attacked a woman. This was really, really good. I really think this feud made sense as they matched up pretty great. Um, and it's, again, it's another one we didn't see play out. But at the time, you know, Garvin came in. He was all flashy. He was kind of like a flavor of the month. <laughs> Him and T.A. looked like they would have probably gone at it. And we all know that T.A. is really good with the female manager foils because we saw that with Baby Doll and Tully Blanchard. So would have been really, really curious to see how this played out. Um, as far as both of, the mat of these angles, there were in matches in September and October uh, up to TA's accident. So they did have some matches. And like I said, the last match TA ever had was a lumberjack match against Jimmy Garvin. Uh, Ron Garvin and Akita didn't see many happen as most of September. Um, he faced TA, TA in rematches. Uh, but then Akita went to Japan. So TA and Garvin didn't have as many matches. So TA mostly won um, a lot of the you know, rematches by DQ, um, or they'll have a schmoz finish we will talk about on our uh, next episode that will drop. It's kind of a short, again, these are short pods, but we will drop that on our next episode uh, where we will see Magnum have a rematch with uh, Nikita for a two out of three falls match. Um, but again, really good angle here, really good mid-Atlantic win. So the start of these feuds were really, really good, and they were just so simplistic in how they did them. And the heat was off the chain with the fans. But unfortunately, we do not get to see um, either one of these uh, play out, at least on a big scale forum or on TV or televised. But what could have been Ron Garvin versus Nikita for the U.S. title and uh, the Jimmy Garvin versus T.A. Um, angle uh, here to play out. All right. Our seventh match of the night is the Kansas Jayhawks, who we have talked about. Uh, but we have never actually seen them wrestle physically. And we, we talked about they were kind of. In the finals of the U.S. Tag Team Title Tournament, which is coming up, uh, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, but here they are, and they are taking on the Andersons. And on paper, this seems like this would be a really, really great match because the Jayhawks are pretty tough brawlers. Uh, so naturally, you would think a match with the Andersons makes sense. Um, this is also on World Championship Wrestling on a Saturday night. Uh, and again, we know the Jayhawks are headed to September 28th to the finals of the U.S. Tag Team Tournament as they face the eventual winners, the Russians. Also, who their opponents would be at Starcade, uh, which we will cover um, when we get to Starcade 86. So overall, this is very boring. A lot of arm work by both parties. At the end, JJ gave a shoe to Oli. Oli off the top rope and hit Dutch uh, with it while Aaron held him. And another DQ schmoz. So I think this could have been much better. <laughs> All four known for their tough brawling style, but it was a 10-minute slog. I went one and a half just because, you know, Anderson limb work is Anderson limb work. It doesn't always suck. It's usually on point. Didn't end up with me in this. Uh, Dutch Mantel um, can work. We covered, I think there was a match for Memphis with him and Lawler. <coughs> against Landell and Dundee that we covered on the Territory Spotlight section of when we did uh, Crack and Roll back in the day, which we don't do anymore, that we all really, really loved. But uh, Bobby Jackers, who we've also seen as part of the Spotlight, we also saw them him uh, with a, as a team at the Crack and Cup. Uh, Jaggers has done nothing for us. I think every Jaggers match we've talked about on this show, all of us are kind of shit on. Um, well, here we go. Add this to the one of Bobby, Bobby Jaggers matches we're going to shit on. So there you go. All right. 
September 7th, 1986. This will be the last match uh, that I will talk about on this kind of little pod blast. Uh, it is the Midnight Express versus the Rock and Roll Express. This is on the Sunday edition of World Championship Wrestling. Uh, so we'll talk about that in a minute. But it is another rematch <coughs> for the Rock and Rolls for the tag team titles. So on August 31st, 1986, TBS started airing a Sunday edition of World Championship Wrestling as well, which ran through March 88 and eventually became the main event program that everybody uh, knew and loved. Uh, this match aired on its second episode. So Dusty Rhodes and Tony Schiavone are on commentary. It opens with Bobby hitting a top rope leg drop to Robert. Dusty says fans drive these men to come back from pain as Condry works them on the mat. The Midnight Express work over his leg. There's great heel limb work by the Midnight Express. Uh, Robert does a great job on the cell. Uh, Gibson tags Martin during a commercial break. Awesome punches on the heel. On the heels, Eaton hits an awesome lifting backbreaker off the ropes into a power slam, which was a great, great combo. Condry then hits a brain buster. On the floor, Cornette rams the uh, racket handle into Ricky's throat. Morton finally gets a tag after uh, hitting a suplex, and there's a double drop kick to Bobby. The ref is down. Ricky on the floor checking on the ref. Condry hits Robert with a racket and rolls Eaton out. He covers him, Gibson, uh, and the ref counts to three. But Dusty comes off commentary and tells the ref what happened, and the decision is re- reversed. So the Midnight Express lose the match. Rock and Roll Express win by DQ. Then all hell breaks loose. This ends with a bra, and Bubba Rogers goes up to the top to splash Morton. But Dusty covers Morton uh, to block Bubba from hitting him, and Bubba splashes to both of them, which looked really, really awesome. Uh, Bobby goes up, uh, Bob- Bubba goes up again, but Gibson knocks him off with the racket. Man, these two can do absolutely no wrong. And by the way, shout out to Bubba, the spot that they did, which sets up a match um, on our next little pod blast that we'll do on this. Uh, but really, really good match again. Three stars. Unfortunately, kind of ends in a schmoz like a lot of these matches do uh, when you get a main event on the syndicated show. So those are eight matches that uh, actually take us up through September 7th that we have not covered. Uh, but I wanted to give you kind of a little sneak peek Um of some of the matches that we didn't talk about that kind of also lead to build uh, where we go on Starcade 86 and also lead to matches that we're building to in Starcade 86 that we never got uh, due to the unfortunate accident of Magnum TA. So uh, the best match out of all these matches that I would definitely go back and take a look at would be the, um, would probably, let's see. So we got, uh, and, so let's just review real quick. So we have Anderson's from uh, versus rock and roll from August 2nd, 1986. I went three stars. Uh, Skip the Flair versus Kern match from 813-86. I gave it a gentleman's two. The Midnight Express versus Rock and Roll Express from 823-86 for the tag titles is three stars. Really, really good. Flair versus Mike Jackson. Really cool novelty thing. I went two and three quarters on that. Um, Houston versus Akita and uh, Garvin versus uh, Bart and uh, the Garvin TA segment. If you want to go out of your way to watch something that is a really cool moment in time that really never came to fruition, I definitely recommend you go see that as well. Um, and then we had the Jayhawks versus the Andersons, and then which you could go out of your way to miss. And then the Midnight Express versus the Rock and Roll Express from the 9786 Sunday edition is really, really good, and I would go out of your way. So Rock and Roll Express brought the goods tonight. Uh, we had, what, one, two... Uh, three Rock and Roll Express matches tonight. The Midnight Express brought the goods tonight. Um, and a really good closing angle on that last match with Bubba and Dusty, which, again, we'll talk about um, as we get into the next little Pod Blast episode. So with that, um, I believe that is all we have for tonight on our next mini episode. Uh, we will talk another eight matches that had happened in the summer and fall of 86. But until then, I am Sean Kidd, and we will talk to you then.
Nothing.